Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the September edition of the construction webinar series coming to you live here from Lois Law Firm. Uh, my name is Tashia Rasul. I'm a partner here at Lois Law Firm where I handle the defense of workers' compensation claims that arise only from construction accidents. That's my specialty. I also have a team of attorneys and paralegals who also handle only construction cases. This allows us to focus on the ins and outs and the nuances of these cases and provide the best services to our clients. If you have been joining me every month, thank you for coming back. If this is your first time, welcome. This is a live webinar, so in the end, you can type in your questions, and if we still have time, I will provide an answer. If not, I can um, email you, or if you leave your number, I can give you a call, and we can talk about whatever question you have. Um, today, we're going to talk about global settlements. So one of the things we do here at LOIS is um, uh, focus on coordination and collaboration between workers' compensation and the general liability claims that arise out of these construction accidents. The grand majority of the cases that we handle, um, they do have a, an accompanying third-party claim, of course, because it's under New York labor laws that's where the big money is, so they file the claims after an accident happens on a construction job site. <clears throat> we have tried and true methods of um, resolving claims globally, which ultimately saves the client money. And that's one of the things we always push in our claims, we always advise our clients about, and we've seen it happen over and over. They can save up to hundreds of thousands of dollars by collaborating with General Liability Council. So we'll talk a little bit about that, settling out the cases uh, at the same time. Um, we'll talk about how the global settlements reduce the exposure. We'll go through um, some numbers to give you an example also. And like I said, in the end, there's a Q&A. The box is going to look like this. So just type your question in there, and it should pop up at my end, and we can have a little bit of discussion about any questions you may have. All right, so let's do a quick recap on dual jurisdiction claims. So the claimant, as you know, can bring both a workers' compensation and a general liability or a third-party claim. The workers' compensation claim is against the um, <clears throat> employer, and the third-party claim is obviously against a third party. So it could be a general contractor, the owner of the project, some other third party that's, that was involved in um, the accident or that was responsible for the accident. In wrap-up situations, uh, whether it's an OSIP or CSIP, there's usually one common owner or one, com uh, one uh, general contractor and usually one carrier. As part of the OSIP program, uh, the same carrier writes the workers' compensation side and the general liability side of the policies, and you know the, the program is put together in that manner. So it's really um, generally involving a high deductible, which the owner is responsible for, and a lot of times at the time of settlement, it's still within the owner's deductible, so it's their money, so they're trying to see how they can best save money. Um, the one carrier still plays two roles when it comes to things like 
um, a Section 32 on the workers' comp side and doing a settlement in the GL side or waiving the lien or giving consent. It still works like a regular uh, third-party settlement that requires consent or some agreement as to what's going to be done with the lien. Um, so, like I just noted, lien recovery is still applicable, and as we'll discuss later, the lien recovery and the lien waiver or a partial lien waiver is usually the, the, the basis for us um, negotiating a Section 32 settlement, which would technically be a $0 settlement. Okay. So, let's talk very briefly, and I'll be very brief about this, Kelly Burns and Bissell. Later in the year, I'll have a webinar that focuses more on this. But I just wanted to point out the reason it's important to still know Kelly, Burns, and Bissell is that in calculating your um, anticipated future exposure, we should be calculating at the Kelly, Burns, and Bissell, um, taking those into consideration, right? So the Burns rate into consideration because let's just say for whatever reason, the third-party claim is not set globally with the workers' comp claim, you still need to have an idea of what your future exposure in the workers' comp claim would be. And it wouldn't be the full exposure, it would be subject to the burns rate. Um, so it's, it's important in calculating that so you know what you do with your lien, um, how to go about with your negotiations, um, talking about potential future um, exposure and see, you know, would, would it be beneficial to leave the claim open if there's future exposure or should we close out the claim and curb all exposure? Generally, it's better to close out the workers' comp claim to curb all exposure. So, Kelly, um, there are two potential benefits from the settlement of third-party actions. You can get reimbursement of your current lien from indemnity and the medical paid to date. So everything you've paid to date, subject to the burns rate. And where the workers' comp carrier would be responsible for ongoing benefits, you can take credits against those on benefits, ongoing benefits until the third-party settlement is exhausted. So just keep in mind, because you've paid to date, that, does, that doesn't mean that that's all you can recover. If the benefits are going to continue, you can take credits ongoing in an on on an ongoing basis also. <clears throat> Burns outlines how calculations are made when future benefits are speculative, which means um, we, we don't know exactly what they're going to be. It's not like an SLU situation where we know a 15% SLU is going to create a certain uh, exposure, right? Um, with uh, case the ELWEC cases, the claimant can return to work, the benefits can stop, and you know your exposure could end earlier than expected. So we don't know exactly what it's going to be, and here's where Burns comes in. Um, it, we'll talk a little bit about how the benefits are calculated on an ongoing basis. So if the claimant is going to continue uh, receiving benefits, let's just say there was an ELWIC finding, and you know the awards are continued, they will be subject to the burns rate. So it's going to be done using the Kelly formula. The payments are going to continue until the settlement uh, amount is exhausted. And after the burns payments are exhausted, which means a net settlement is recouped, 
then full payments will resume on the, the workers' compensation claim. So paying at the burns rate would also be um, something that we call uh, taking a holiday, meaning you're not paying the full workers' compensation benefits, and that can significantly reduce your exposure. Let's just say, for example, we're not able to settle both the workers' comp and the general liability claims at the same time. At least we know if your workers' comp claim remains open, you will be um, paying less than the full rate that you would normally be paying, and you'd be uh, reducing your exposure that way also. So keep in mind, if there's a third-party claim, and for whatever reason there's no global settlement, which is very, very, very rare, you should be taking the Kelly and Burns calculations into consideration and ensuring that any ongoing payments are subject to those and are reduced accordingly. Um, so BISL pertains to the medical portion of the claim. Likewise, for the indemnity portion for medicals, you would be able to um, take credit, typically at the Burns rate also, uh, for ongoing treatment. So the claimant would have to pay upfront and then the workers' compensation carrier would pay, re, uh, reimburse the claimant, but only at the burden's rate. All right, so let's talk a little bit about consent to settle the general liability claim. Even in these wrap-up situations, whether it's um, an OSIP or a CSIP, there still must be consent to settle, right, formally. A lot of times the claims settle at mediation where your workers' comp attorney may or may not be there, or, or there is authority from the workers' comp side to waive a lien or partially waive a lien, there still should be formal consent, and there should be a formal consent letter uh, delineating all of the terms of the consent, and hopefully you're doing a section 32 also. Um, the consent is um, guided by workers' compensation law section 29.5, and it requires that the, the, it mandates that the claimant must get consent from the workers' compensation carrier to settle his third-party claim. Usually not an issue with the global settlements, um, but because of the global settlements, the, the contingencies like um, a partial waiver of the lien or a Section 32 settlement or when benefits are going to be suspended, those are all things that are negotiated and should always be in writing as part of the consent letter. The consent would be conditioned on any conditions. And of course, it's discussed in mediation. And that's one of the reasons why, in one of my previous webinars, we talked about the importance of having workers' comp counsel present at the mediation. It's to ensure that the record sets straight, ensure that the workers' comp side of the, the, the wrap-up program um, is providing the correct information, getting all of the benefits suspended or the $0 Section 32 and everything teed up. Because we don't want to have a situation where they're going through mediation, there's some talk about a global settlement, but global settlement is not actually reached. Then it becomes a little difficult to do it after the fact. <clears throat> okay, so some examples of, oops, sorry about that. Some examples of consent to settle contingencies, it would be if we're doing a full uh, waiver of the lien in exchange for a section 32, or a partial lien in exchange for a section 32, and then the section 32 settlement also. And like I mentioned, if we want the indemnity and medical benefits to be suspended, 
immediately or by a certain date in the workers' comp side, we can include that also. And we'd also include language regarding if the claimant decides to withdraw from the Section 32, we're going to recover our lien because the lien is actually the consideration for the Section 32. Our best practices for global settlements. So you can have you you can have a situation where there's no coordination, and it usually results in additional exposure for the clients. I've seen it happen once in a while. Clients uh, come to us and they're like, "Oh yeah, the GL side settled, but there was no negotiation to close out the workers' comp side, so it remains open. We're going to continue paying on it." And then just doing the math, it it they just wind up paying more because the workers' comp claim is open. The next option would be for the case to settle together with the workers' comp resolving via full and final uh, section 32. And you know, it could be with or without fresh money moving. Um, it, it all depends on the status of the 32, how much has been paid out, how much a GL settlement is. We just have to crunch the numbers and see which would make more sense. Should we give the claimant an extra five grand or 10 grand on the, on, on the workers' comp side? Or should we just waive the lien and um, do quote unquote a zero dollar section 32? It's not technically a zero dollar section 32 because the consideration for the 32 is the lien waiver. All right, so these, the, these screens might be a little too small. If you are interested, um, I can email them to you. But it's just an example of how your potential exposure would be calculated under the three different scenarios. So the first one here is where there's no uh, collaboration between workers' comp and general liability. So you'll see in the workers' comp, let's say, for example, you paid out $50,000 in indemnity and medicals, and then your LWEC is going to be $250,000. You have your civil action that's settled for $1.5 million. Your total exposure um, in both jurisdictions would be $1.5 million plus um, the amount you're going to pay on the LWEC for uh, 300 weeks at the burns rate going forward plus the medical and um, a future future medicals and that would total 1.6 million dollars plus the open medicals because your workers comp claim moves forward so that's what you would be um, paying when there's no collaboration between workers comp and general liability of course the numbers would vary depending on the case and how much has been paid out but generally it um, it winds up being more that you're paying if you don't settle them out together <clears throat> Here's an example of settlement if you do uh, GL and Section 32 settlements at the same time. So same numbers, we've paid out uh, 50,000 in workers' comp, and you know a potential Section 32 would be $250,000, and a civil action settled for $1.5 million. Here it's going to be, your exposure is going to be just uh, 1.6 million dollars because we're doing a partial uh, lien waiver here of uh, $200,000 and the total received uh, by the claimant would be 1.1 million after the attorney's fees. 
So here you're paying out um, just the 1.6 with no future exposure, which saves you. Because if you recall, in the previous scenario, we are paying for the open medicals moving forward. Um, this one is a section, uh, section 32, and the general liability settlement with a lien waiver. Um, in this particular situation, it's $50,000 paid out. We're going to waive the whatever we, we've incurred to date. Um, and you still have your civil action settling at $1.5 million. Um, you're doing a waiver of the $200,000. And here you're paying out $1.6 million with no future medical exposure. So here you're doing an actual lien waiver. So the two situations are you can do the fresh money in the workers' comp side, but close it out globally, or here you can do the lien waiver and um, close it out globally also. Okay, some practical advice for global settlements. Uh, we should be considering when an, whether an MSA is necessary. Even though we're doing a lien waiver or a partial lien waiver, we still have to... Um, take Medicare's interest into uh, consideration once the requirements are met by the, the, the claimant's eligibility status. However, there should always be an agreement for the MSA to be funded out of the claimant's third-party proceeds. And then we just include that language in the Section 32, and that's sufficient. The reason is, if we agree to do an MSA on the workers' comp side, that's additional costs. So the claimant should be agreeing that from his $2 million he's going to put aside, if an MSA is necessary, he's going to put aside, you know, $200,000 or $100,000 self-administered um, for an MSA, and then we don't have to worry about it on the workers' comp side. Um, where the MSA is necessary, or quote-unquote necessary, uh, we have to be mindful that on the GL side, the attorney's fees are calculated using the MSA as a basis also. On the workers' comp side, the attorney's fees are not calculated using the, 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 the MSA. You can only calculate it based on the indemnity. This is something I've, I've, I've seen in situations where we were not part of the, the mediation or the settlement agreement, and there was no agreement for the MSA to be done on the general liability side. And then we kind of have to like go back and get that agreement um, so that we can at least address it in our Section 32 documents. Okay, so that's all I've got on global settlements, why I think it's important and how it can save you, the client, um, some money if you globally settle out the cases. The key thing to remember is to always crunch the numbers. Look at your exposure on the workers' comp side. Look at what you've paid out. Look at what you could potentially pay out. Always take into consideration Burns and Kelly, just in case your workers' comp claim remains open. And then just say the numbers that make sense, right? A lot of times, most times, 99% of the times, it makes sense to close out everything globally. So your exposure is done. You don't have to worry about that case and that claimant anymore. And things can be wrapped up and you can move on to your next case. So looking, looking, crunching at the numbers and looking to see where you can save is the number one advice I would give to clients. Um, the other thing is uh, consent is still required 
and your attorney should be drafting up a consent letter that is comprehensive and not only saying that you know we consent to the third party settlement but also the terms in the consent letter should reflect anything that was negotiated with regards to let's say a section 32 or when workers comp benefits should be suspended whether it's indemnity or medical um, if you have any questions uh, type them in the box I'll take a look to see if anything comes through but that's all I have with regards to settlements um, next month we're going to talk about coverage disputes and how to handle those in court how we educate our judges and our adversaries and the information and documents we need from you in order to do those we have a lot of cases where coverage is an issue and we're being tracked on and on and just need to get out of the cases but if we don't have the information um, we're not going to be able to get out sooner rather than later and as you know it's only costing you money to defend the claim that's not even yours so we'll talk more about that next month um, if you could think of any questions or anything you'd like me to address ahead of time feel free to send an email or give me a call all right let me just take a look at this to see if there's any questions I don't see I, okay, so I don't see any questions. If you think of anything, um, feel free to give me a buzz, send me an email. My email address is trasool at loisllc.com, and I'd be happy to uh, give you an answer or get on the phone and chat about it. Again, thank you for um, joining me here today. Um, I hope to see you again next month. And um, I am taking suggestions for future webinars also, so if you have any ideas of topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to let me know. Um, but enjoy the last uh, few days of summer. If the kids are going back to school, enjoy the peace and the quiet and a little bit of freedom. And we will re uh, reconvene right here next month on August, oh, well, on October 2nd, and talk a little bit about coverage disputes. Take care, everyone. See you soon.